Welcome to A Step Towards Health, a dedicated set of interviews with therapists, counselors, and specialists from across the world, breaking down stigmas, clearing up misconceptions, and bringing you the information about therapy and how to make getting help easier. Well, at least we're trying our best. With this series, we're hoping to give you some form of clarity of what therapy is, what to expect from it, and how to access it. We will also be trying our level best to get the answers to the questions sent in from these experts. But please note this is for educational and understanding purposes only. I would also like to issue a trigger warning before we begin. The discussion, the questions, they all range over topics of depression, anxiety, self-harm, suicide, addictions, eating disorders, sexual assault, and more. Please take care while you listen to these episodes. If any of these discussions are triggering for you or bring up any negative feelings, please take care. If you still wish to listen, please do so with a friend or someone you trust around. If this isn't immediately available, please wait till you find yourself in the right headspace and with the right tools and environment accessible to get into such a discussion. Thank you and take care. Joining us today is Jen Mack, is a person-centered counselor with a private practice in Leeds, UK, specializing in creating a space for loss, anxiety, and well-being. She started her counseling career with a particular focus on bereavement and grief, as she believes that emotional pain can be rooted in in a loss of some kind. As well as counseling, she has also worked on interventions for employee well-being and student well-being at university. As a British-born Chinese person, She appreciates the difficulties in juggling various cultures and expectations and the continuous effort in integrating and showing up as an authentic person. Thank you so much, Jen, for taking time on joining me on this series. And I am so, so grateful that you're helping me out with getting this information out to our listeners. Thank you. Thank you for facilitating it and and putting all that effort to to get in touch with people and and organize. It's, it's, um, It's much needed. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Um, Okay, so to sort of uh, preface what exactly this particular series is about is, for the lack of a better term, a step towards help. So Mm -hmm. what we want to do with this particular series is get the information out there for the listeners about what to expect with therapy, sort of break down the misconceptions that exist in this field and just Mm -hmm. sort of make getting help easier in every way we can. So um, Mm -hmm. to start us off, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what's the process to access therapy in the UK? Mm -hmm. Um, So if you are looking for free services, usually people can go through their GPs or their general practitioner um, and and they get in touch with a service called IAPT, which is Improving Access to Psychological Therapies. And depending where you are in the country, you might be able to get certain types of approaches. Um, and it's and and the fact is in the research, it's it's more about who you connect with rather than the approach being the most effective. So just give it a go. Um, there are also free charities that might specialize in particular um, mental health issues. Um, so for instance, I trained at Cruise, which is specific around um bereavement um they also have helplines and if you google there's quite a lot of helplines anyway so if you want to get a sense of support it might be a good way 
um, if you are, have the opportunity to invest privately into counselling, my recommendation is to search on accredited registers. So there's one called the BACP, which I'm part of, which is the British Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy. So they make sure that the counsellors have the right qualifications um, and usually can just search for kind of like geographical, uh, yeah, specific type of issue that you want support in. Um, my other recommendation is Psychology Today because they're one of the few where you can search um, particular attributes of the counsellor. So, for instance, if you want someone from an LGBT um, background or from a, a minority ethnic background, you might be better off um, kind of filtering through, through that directory as well. Okay. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm sure that information is going to be extremely helpful and for breaking yeah. it down with your private practices, uh, public and for the charities as well. Thank you. Um, again, we yeah. wanted to create a space where we can get the information out there and this is exactly what we wanted. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Um, so just so that we move, the next block that I wanted to get into was kind of have a couple of discussions when it comes to therapy and the different kind of approaches. And um, like there are a lot of misconceptions in a lot of fields in this and one thing is with grief. I've uh, personally experienced a lot of misconceptions until I actually accessed, uh, got professional help. So um, what kind of loss qualifies as grief? I think there's this, like, uh, there is this misconception that death of an individual is the only thing that causes grief. What would you share about that? For me, grief will always happen follows a loss and that you feel that you've lost whether that's something in the past or something present day or some some loss of the aspect in the future so it could be the breakdown of a relationship it could be like moving home the loss of your existing home it could be the loss of something that you expected for yourself in the future so a certain type of career or a certain yeah um, um health it would be um just our general kind of day-to-day -day kind of freedoms that we expect they've covered. Um, so any of, there can be different levels, different different types of losses. Um, and you might not realize as well, and it could be that um, there, there are kind of sub losses within a bigger loss. So if you had a breakdown in relationship, there is also the loss of the home that you built, the loss of the, the kitchen that you had the things that you today the wider social network that you had with that person so you might not realize at first what might be tied into the primary loss as well that's actually very interesting i've never thought about sub uh, categories of grief like subcategories of loss mm. and thinking back now yeah. yeah i think i can relate to a few things now i've never actually considered looking at it in that manner yeah you might not realize until you you hit that situation so I remember when I had a, a breakup and I, I moved out the ha moved out of that house and it only when I started using this new kitchen that I didn't choose that's when I was like I, I felt angry again and I felt this and I went through a different cycle of loss just for for the 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 kitchen and the home that I had created thank you for sharing that I mean, this is what I wanted, like when we have these kind of conversations, it totally opens our eyes to like, there's so many perspectives to all of this. Um, so uh, mm -hmm. what would you say is your approach to grief counseling as a therapist? If someone was to come to you, what could they mm -hmm. expect as your personal approach? 
Yeah. So my approach um, is technically called person-centered, which the idea is that I'm kind of walking alongside you to um, help, in a sense, guide and, and point out things whilst you're on this journey of self-awareness. And the idea is that over the sessions, you build awareness of things that might be going on in the, in the background and hopefully build a sense of acceptance for the things that have happened and, and the person that you are. So whether that be certain personality traits or recognizing things that you might have inherited as, as behaviors or values that you've got from your parents, for instance. Um, so it's very much directed by, by the, the client and just helping them explore what might be going on for them in the back. I sometimes introduce what we call education, which is helping them have an understanding of what grief is. So a lot of the time people come with, with this feeling of stuckness and, and feeling, am I grieving wrong? Is this right? They might not share how they've gone through grief. Um, so what I'm trying to do is kind of um, give them a sense of these are possible ways that grief might happen for you. So sometimes that kind of um, guidance can help someone just to normalize their experience. Um, I, I just had a question. Uh, when I introduced mm -hmm. you, there was a term that you used bereavement and grief. Are, are they different concepts? Could you shed a little light about that? So bereavement I see is very specific to the death of someone. Okay. Whereas grief is, uh, is following loss. All right. Uh, again, something I didn't know and mm -hmm. I have managed to learn through this. So another concept that I wanted to delve into was the concept of stages of grief. I think it's commonly misinterpreted, like it sort of depicts rather grief as such a linear journey. And I think I was a victim of that as well. I went through, mm -hmm. uh, I grieved the loss of my brother and I found myself in a place where I thought I had accepted it. And then a couple of events later, I found myself back in that denial state. And I thought I had done mm -hmm. the entire journey wrong, that I thought I had finished mm -hmm. the pages and it's sort of that's always what I had seen and it was always portrayed to me that it's a linear journey. Could we delve a little mm -hmm. more into this? It's, um, so this, the stages are, are, are guidelines and you can go, you can jump from one to the other and you can feel them all in the same day. You can feel, and, and where I talked about this kind of sub losses, I think that's where it can show how it's so messy. You might be, you might have some sense of sadness and acceptance about certain aspects of of a loss, but then actually you might still be really angry and and in a, almost in denial because you can't make sense of something. So, for instance, when it's a, a a sudden and very traumatic death, it makes sense to me that there is some you you end up having to have some kind of acceptance over that person has passed away, but it might be for a very long time that you have anger about how it happened. Uh, yeah, it's just completely hard to comprehend how it happened. And so that's that's where I, these stages are kind of guidelines, but they're not, that's it. They're not, they're not definite and there's no wrong way of doing it. Um, I'd also add, because some people don't, rec don't realize there's this, an extra stage called finding meaning and the sense of kind of continuing bonds and finding some sense of connection with the the thing that was lost 
Um, and it's that kind of making sense of what happened. Um, and I think that whole process of trying to make sense of what happened is, is really difficult. And that's where you can jump up around between all the different stages because there are so many factors. I found the, uh, the finding meaning stage very interesting. I had never heard of that till now. Yeah, there's a particular theory around kind of continuing bonds um, and it's, uh, yeah, there's kind of two separate elements. The finding meaning is like trying to, trying to not justify, but find some sense of peace of why something has happened. Um, and that's why people can struggle with like, with the what ifs of like, why did this happen? And, and you've lost this person and, you physically they're not here but does that mean that your, your connection is completely cut from them not necessarily and it, it kind of ties in with um people's beliefs of what happens after death um so in certain cultures you'll see where they have a very much ritualized experience of like every year they might pay their respects to the to people who have passed away and that is part of this kind of continuing the bond and finding some way of communicating and, and connecting with those that have part that have left us even and even though we can't get anything back from them maybe at least we kind of we still feel a connection in some way that's beautiful actually i i yeah. definitely think i'm going to ponder on that a little bit more I've, I've, in my yeah. six and a half years, uh, my grieving journey, I'd never heard of this till now. It's to put, in a sense, put their emotional energy. So whether that be like they write, they, they, they write letters or they plant a tree, they find a, a, a spot where they, they know that they, they get a sense of, oh, oh, this is where I can, I can connect with them. Although I might not get anything back, this is where I choose to put that that love and that appreciation. That's beautiful, actually. Just giving me things to think about now. Um, so another uh, thing that I wanted to talk about is complicated grief. So this was something that completely was out of the blue for me. Um, after avoiding, mm. uh, after my own struggles with uh, grief and by the time I actually got help when I was diagnosed I was also diagnosed with complicated grief and this was something mm -hmm. that I was very confused by because I was mm -hmm. quite I didn't know it existed could we kind yeah. of break down what exactly is complicated grief and what really leads to yeah. the diagnosis of this yeah so um one way I kind of describe grief sometimes is like it's it's a horrible thing but it's like a natural process of a part of life so for instance if you broke your leg you need time for it to recover and then during that time there's no point in anyone doing anything necessary different to it just you just gotta let it run its course so for me, sometimes grief is like that, where you, you just have to unfortunately go through the go through that process. But there are times where something might have, um, I, I hesitate to say wrong, but something hasn't made it easy. Um, so then 
someone else that might need to come and intervene so like if you broke your leg and it didn't and the bone didn't form in the right way you might need extra help so with complicated grief the idea is certain things either around the the particular death the situation of the death or the process of grieving something when uh, went wrong in some way where it made it really hard for that process to run its course um, more in a smoother smoother way so for instance um, for it, like with this pandemic a lot of people unfortunately um, might not have been able to go to a funeral they might not have been able to say the goodbyes in the way that they would like um, and that that kind of complicates the grief because that process that natural process has been um, stunted in a way the way the natural way of doing things has hasn't been able to have hasn't been able they haven't been able to do it the natural way that they would prefer um, and I think generally the the kind of diagnosis and I put that in speech marks is um, the idea that it's it's considered complicated if if there's no sense of progression after six months so it's almost like you've been stuck for a very, very long time. Then there's this feeling of, oh, okay, something might have gone wrong and my in extra support might be needed. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, like when I went to my therapist, it was almost three or four years after what happened and other uh, incidents as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was still physically affected by the mm -hmm. night of what happened. And I wasn't able to sleep. I wasn't able mm. to like get through my days, and th that's what they were breaking it down. Like after a certain point of time, mm. it shouldn't physically affect you as much, and that's kind of how we came to this particular this one. But thank you for clearing that up. It mm. makes a lot more sense now. Um, so, like yeah. I mentioned to you, uh, over the past couple of months, we've circulated a questionnaire, and mm -hmm. we've got some questions sent in from individuals from across the world who. Mm -hmm. unfortunately do not have the tools or the accessibility or the resources to reach out and ask these questions so we're trying mm -hmm. our best to get them the answers and uh, i think one of the reasons why i wanted to have this particular aspect uh, in the series as well is not just that we would be able to get them the answers but also these are a lot of questions i think many people might have and especially right mm -hmm. now with the covid situation and like you mentioned um a lot of individuals have had to experience some form of loss. And I think mm -hmm. these kind of questions, they might, it'll help someone or the other for sure, not just the ones that have sent in. So thank you again for taking the time to do this. I cannot express my gratitude enough. Mm -hmm. um, so the first question that we got was, my friend lost her mother. How do I know what I'm saying isn't going to hurt her more? Mm -hmm. So kind of going on the back of, of what you were saying, like some people might be scared to ask these questions. It's, I think we sometimes there's the risk that we're so worried about hurting another person that we don't do anything, which is understandable. Um, but the, but the, the fact is there's no guarantee. We can't, there's no guarantee that we won't hurt them in front of us. It doesn't necessarily mean that we've done what we to, to express it. Um, so don't ne don't necessarily see oh crying and it's it's negative. Um, I think try to remember your intention it's and and go from that. So if your intention is that you want to to support them, then 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 it's a nice thing. You're trying your best to to empathise and to understand. 
Um, my suggestion is that if you if you're worried about hurting them, just self-check with yourself or with with friends. Is there any risk that what I'm saying could be perceived as judgmental? Um, and if, if there's any hint of that, then maybe consider it. And also consider consider the timing of something. So does it need to be said right now? Does it need to be said by me um, in this way? So that's another thing to consider. And if you do get it wrong, which we, are, which is possible because we're human, then just apologize and try to meet them again. Um, and and I think yeah, just remember that your intention is is meant to be positive. So as long as you're trying to do the right thing, as long as you're trying to understand and support them, I think the friend will be able to pick up on that. I think especially with the current situation now, I'm, I'm sure a lot of individuals are trying to be there for someone that has experienced some loss. But again, there's never been any sort of like guide to how do you deal with grief? How do you deal with loss? And I think yeah. a lot of, I know a lot of people in my life as well were very confused about what did they say to me when things, when what happened happened. Mm -hmm. And I think yeah. uh, it's like you mentioned is sometimes the intention is just what we need to know. And it's okay if we make a yeah. mistake and just knowing that our intention and accepting if that if we're wrong and then taking a step back to do what they need, I think is a huge, huge difference. Like it makes a huge difference for sure. Yeah, one other idea is sometimes to, to offer a statement. So you're not actually asking them a question. You're not asking them, oh, how are you getting on? Just saying like, I'm, I'm really, I'm so sorry about this that, and the other. Um, in that way it, it gives them an opening it gives them an opportunity to talk more about it if they want to but then there's no pressure on them to answer any question that's a really wonderful approach it gives them permission rather it's like you're asking them permission about like do you want to delve into this or not and it's like mm. the, uh, the ball's in their court and they make the decision for what they're most comfortable mm. with thank you i'm sure this is going to be yeah. so helpful for a lot of people um, the next question that we got was is how do I know if I should seek special help for my grief? So that one kind of ties in um, with this idea of complicated grief. So although some of them have this um, kind of arbitrary timeline of saying, no, if nothing happens in six months, then, then it might be considered complicated grief. Um, my suggestion is around like if you have this sense of feeling stuck for a very long time. So one of the theories around grief is um, is around this kind of dual 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 process. I've forgotten how it's called, but the idea is that you you are you you grief is fluid and you move from this loss orientation versus this restor restorative orientation. So. One day you might be absolutely devastated and really struggle to, to do anything. And then another day or later on in the day, you, you've, you feel more hopeful and you're able to do things um, and, and live a life that is part of this life after. Some people get stuck in either one 
and that's when there might there might be a difficulty where you're you're so focused on the future you you don't give yourself a chance to grieve and feel lost or you're so devastated that you can't get out of bed either of those extremes could be could be a sign that things are not going smoothly um so if you feel like you're not able to have that fluidity and switch between them um then that might be a time when you might need additional support um a kind of extra note on that is that sometimes because of the circumstances it makes sense why someone is a bit more um skewed to one side so for instance if you are the one dealing with all the practical arrangements you're having to deal with the will and you're you're now the new head of the family that kind of sense you might not feel able to 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 be in that kind of loss orientation so it makes sense if if for several months you feel that you're a bit stuck in in this kind of focusing on what needs to be done um but if you feel like oh after all the things have been sorted out and you still feel like you can't get you still can't feel that sadness or you feel like you're unable to to express what you're feeling um then that's met, might be a time where you you want some additional support thank you i think uh, again i cannot say this enough all these questions are i'm sure a lot of people are going to be able to relate to especially with the current climate of what the world is right now and it's just going to be so much help um the next question that we had and i honestly this is something that i personally relate to as well for a long time um so i feel an immense amount of guilt over what i could have done how do i break through those what if questions so this is really difficult because it's 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 almost it's just time really um in the sense that it makes sense it makes sense why we're doing it we're trying to find reason and when something horrible happens to us there isn't really a good reason um so we ask all these what ifs um and it's really just a matter of time and unfortunately when you're really suffer when you're suffering not really suffering when you're suffering that time feels really slow and it can be really painful um i guess with the what ifs one way of of managing it is to actually consider okay so what if i did that would that really have changed anything and to kind of play it out whether writing it down or speaking to someone i think the the difficulty with what if questions is that there is no you're trying to find a sense of closure so your brain keeps looping on it until it finds an answer so sometimes writing down what what could have happened might give you that sense of resolution as well i think that's something that i'm going to have to try out i've personally tortured myself with what if questions for years and i still mm. sometimes play it back because i keep thinking about like okay if i was awake would that have made a difference if we had gotten mm. to the hospital a little sooner would that have made a difference and i think yeah. at one point in time it's trying to like rationalize our sort of Uh, guilt i think almost at least for mm. me that's what i started uh, taking that approach but yeah i think uh, yeah. i've never actually considered like sort of following through and just writing it out and thinking like what actually could have happened which i think i will give yeah. it a go now 
Yeah, because I think it's you, you're trying to find some sense of control over the situation. I think you, you feel a sense of responsibility. So you're trying, the what ifs are like, of all the different factors, all the different things that I could have had done something, could this have changed the outcome? And it might have done, but it might not have. And I guess sometimes you, it's working through it can, yeah, it gives you that sense of like, okay, it's not not that not that it would necessarily alleviate all the guilt, but I guess it it, it would help you find some sense of peace. The term you used, uh, closure. I again, that was something that immediately it just hit. It hit enough. Like I mm. I I think the what if questions I've personally tried to play them out. I think just for the closure, maybe sort of like mm -hmm. move past what happened and sort of just accept it. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean like like you said, finding a peace almost. Mm -hmm. Um, so the next question that we have is, are there any coping mechanisms that you can recommend that we can adopt to deal with loss? So for me, any coping mechanism that allows you to feel and express what you feel is, is helpful. Um, and only you really know what that is. So what, like what I said with the kind of Sometimes we, we, we need that fluidity of feeling um, feeling sad, but we also need to feel, feel sad and be in this kind of loss orientation, but also we need to feel hopeful and, and, and kind of appreciate the future. So anything that helps us with a bit of both of those is good. Um, it's important, I, th I think it's really important to be able to be honest with yourself and so that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to express everything that you're feeling to everyone, but find some way to express that uh, for yourself, whether that's writing in a journal, it could be um, creating music, creating art. Um, it's just allowing yourself that space, that time to, to really feel what's happened. Um, and one thing to note with that is that that can evolve over time. So you might have some level of, of, of expressing and, and understanding what happened in one moment of time. And then two years later, something happens and it gives you a different perspective. It, and, and then you might go through this kind of grieving process again and different mecha coping mechanisms might help you. Um, so it could evolve as well. I, I just realized that this podcast itself is almost an expression of how I've been coping with what my journey was. Yeah. And that's quite interesting. And I, I like that the, fir the first thing that you said, or rather the, the main thing that you said is to feel and express what you feel. I think we've always mm -hmm. been conditioned to sort of like, don't feel the bad feelings, only feel the good feelings. You're supposed yeah. to always be positive and that the concept of toxic pos positivity is sort of like is so detrimental yeah. and i like that I'm, I'm hoping that now when people hear an expert saying it like feel all your feelings that they'll also start mm. like practicing it yeah and and with that not to label it like of course you'll be angry of course you'll be sad 
it, it they, they don't necessarily have to be negative they are they are what you feel and it's just having that allowing yourself that and not and not judging yourself yeah absolutely um so the next question that we have is um sometimes i struggle with suicidal thoughts i think to myself they aren't around anymore won't it be easier to be with them is this normal or am i going crazy so first of all for me it's like what is what is normal because that that changes <laughs> that changes with society um i think with with suicidal thoughts it sometimes for me i feel like it, it makes sense if you if you if you had a really strong relationship with that person and you don't feel that there's anything to live for right now it makes sense to me why those thoughts are very strong um because we're in such immense pain um so i wouldn't necessarily necessarily think oh this is dangerous i think the only time where the suicidal thoughts might be something that you you might want to start talking to someone else about it is if you if you really picture yourself doing something if you have a certain kind of plan um because sometimes it might be more of i i just want to be able to fall asleep and not wake up so it's more of like i just want to escape this reality in this kind of quiet way whereas if you feel more active in your suicidal thought where you think oh if i if i do if i get these things together or you you start kind of putting your affairs in order then that's more of like okay this is this seems to be a bit more concrete and actually you you might want to kind of that's when you might want to speak to someone um and that person could be someone you know or it could be someone someone completely random so in the uk there are several helplines where you can just talk to someone and just sometimes even just saying it out loud can really shake that thought and make you can really consider well actually is this something that i want for myself or not um but yeah it's it's it can be very strong because you're just in such immense pain in that moment of time. So a lot of the time, I think it's, is there enough hope to keep you going for the next day, for the next day? And if you're really struggling with just living for the next day, then definitely try, um, try and find some support with that. Thank you. Uh, I think a lot of times, uh... That itself is so stigmatized. Individuals don't open up about having suicidal thoughts because they immediately yeah. feel so uh, like they're going to be labeled as insane or labeled in a specific manner. And I, I do think, yeah. like like you said, it is quite understandable. Like at least with me as well, the person mm -hmm. that I lost was someone extremely important to me, and we had a very mm -hmm. very deep connection. And mm -hmm. when I lost him, I wasn't sure how to like go about and like if I wanted to go about. But it was, it, like you said, it's very different yeah. when you're having the thoughts and then acting on them. And I think right now mm. with just having this discussion, we've uh, sort of like rationalized and sort of validated those individuals that have had the thoughts mm -hmm. but not acted on it. And probably yeah. felt like uh, if they ever spoke about it, they would have been labeled as a specific type of person. And just now mm -hmm. they probably feel less alone. So thank you. Yeah, because it's, 
I've done it with friends like this past year where like oh I'm not I can't tell whether they're really sad or or are they really sad to the point of suicide and and my recommendation if, if it's the, f- the flip side if you're worried about a friend say it as clearly as possible which is are you feeling suicidal and sometimes that kind of very explicit very black and white there's only a yes or no gives you that gives you that reassurance on well, it gives it gives you clarity about how severe the situation might be but it also supports your friend because your friend might be wanting to say to you i'm really suffering and it and it's too painful for them to say exactly those words so you giving them that question can help them and it can help clarify for them like how bad is it really um and then yeah you can support them through that i think that's wonderful i think with these things we we beat around the bush so much it's such a it's it really creates so much chaos and confusion just being straight mm-hmm. and asking like and and i like how you mentioned when if if i was asked that question for me it would probably be like a mirror has been placed before me and i'm really forced to look at myself and think like is that mm. where my space head space is and i yeah i i wish someone had done that and i guess um yeah i mean asking that question straight would definitely make such a huge difference mm. yeah um so the next question that we have is is there a timeline to grief no <laughs> there is no there's no <laughs> There is no rule, and um, one of the theories is called growing around loss, or I think some people have nicknamed it like the egg theory. The idea is that if I picture it as like the loss is this pit that every so often you might fall back into, but you, you are trying to grow around it, you're trying to grow your life around this pit, and every so often you might fall back into it whether it be kind of like anniversaries or certain similar situations that kind of kind of remind you of what you've experienced um and it can help explain why you might feel like you've gone backwards in this kind of stages of grief because you you were perfectly fine and then all of a sudden something reminds you and you feel angry and sad and all the emotions kind of erupt again just as strongly as it did years ago um so that one I find quite useful it's just it's 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 a it's a pain it's a loss that you'll always carry but it's something that you can manage and yeah sometimes you might you might feel it really strongly and sometimes you'll go months and years and not and not really have it affect you I think a, a very specific point in my journey was when I accepted that it doesn't have a timeline and I think that's mm. when my actual like coping journey really started because I feel mm. like uh, with with grief and like mental health in general it's so romanticized when it's portrayed mm. to the people whether it's in media or books or whatever it is and that mm. false that romanticization creates this false narrative in our heads and like it creates like a timeline like okay in this mm. much amount of time you're going to be fine and then I, that's yeah. that's what i was perceived as well and when i mm-hmm. didn't hit that that same time and okay even after 3 years i'm still feeling how i felt that night and i thought mm-hmm. i had done the entire journey wrong and then it mm-hmm. was more the more i understood the concept and like 
read up and but went to therapy honestly i sort of like it yeah. came to my i i kind of accepted there is no timeline to all of this and that was like a huge moment for me in my journey because it was like a a switch flipped in my head and i realized that this is something i'm going to live with mm-hmm. but i can manage it and i think mm-hmm. the more we can get this particular information out is the mm-hmm. only way we can cope with this yeah yeah absolutely i think if you don't if you don't allow yourself to feel it it will come out in a different way and that's why people like are, are are angry for no apparent reason or they they suddenly cry and they don't they don't realize it's it's when you kind of you're stopping yourself expressing and it'll just it will find a way out thank you um so the last question that we have is what can i do to help someone who's grieving mm-hmm. um so this one similar to what i was saying about like trying to try to show that you are thinking of someone without putting pressure on them to respond so it could be like sending them flowers sending them food it's sending something that you know that they like it's it's showing i've i've had you in my thoughts and and here's something um and then there's also situations where you might want to explicitly ask them how they're doing and I guess that's it's personal you know you might have a sense of how this how does this person cope with stress um so for instance um some people find that they have the most deep conversations when they're driving in the car or they're walking side by side because it's less intimidating than face to face um so trying to kind of find those situations where that can happen for you um and similar to to before about worrying about hurting someone don't let that stop you just try your best to 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 give them an opportunity to express what they're feeling um and just yeah give them the opportunity um sometimes you might recognize okay this person's been stuck at home they're very much skewed onto this kind of loss side of things maybe i'll try and encourage them to come come out in a very like easy way so like oh let's go for a walk in the park or it could be the other way where you feel like this person's so focused on the future and they're not giving themselves the chance to to feel sad um which might be a strange one where you feel like oh am i am i like really pushing on this person but um sometimes that's actually the better thing to do so given having some quiet time together giving them that opportunity to to just yeah take space and 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 share what they're really feeling um so a bit of both um and yeah i just just recognizing like we said with the timeline that there is no timeline so sometimes the with bereavement the first year can be relatively easy because it's fresh in people's minds um but then people might forget in the second year so yeah just kind of acknowledging 
an anniversary um, might be might be very valuable to someone. Thank you. I think that's incredible yeah. advice. And I can't stress this enough with the current climate of the world that we're in right now. This information mm. is going to be so helpful. Uh, Jen, that was all the questions that I had for you. Thank you mm -hmm. so much. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, advice, anything you want to leave the listeners with? Uh, final thoughts, final thoughts. Just keep trying, I think. I think it's, we're so worried about doing the wrong thing and hurting someone. And even if you do do the wrong thing, come back again tomorrow. <laughs> um, just, just try. I think it's, you, you don't, you don't know someone, you might catch them in the bad moments so they don't respond well. That doesn't mean that what you did is, is wrong. So, um, yeah, just just always keep trying. And then with if you're personally going through grief, just find some element of hope. Find something that, that makes you when you can't make sense of what's happened before, try and make sense of what's happened, what's going to happen next. So a lot of the time, I think it's it's trying to find out, figure out your own story. So those are the facts. These things did happen, but you can choose what story you want to tell, and that story will evolve how you how you tell the story. Year one to year three, year five, it, it evolves. The story evolves, and and you're allowed to do that. So thank yeah, you. I think that's such a lovely way to end this episode. I'm so, yeah. so grateful that you took the time to talk to me. I'm sure you have enough on your schedule. You've been <laughs> such a wonderful guest. And honestly, I've learned so much for my own journey. And I'm sure people who yeah. listened also have learned a lot. And we're helping people with this information out there. So thank you again. I'm so yeah. incredibly grateful. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.